is from Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. I'm reading from the NIV. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissentiousness, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, and since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Good morning, church. This is quite tall. I'm just going to do that a little bit. How's it going? Yeah? Cool. So we're a bit scattered today. Um, If you've never stood up here uh, when there's like nobody in the front, which is like most Sundays, then you don't really know how it feels to be so far away from people. So I'm just going to ask you a favor. I'm not going to make you get up. I'm not going to make you do that. But today, just as we're chatting, as we are engaging with the text this morning, oh, Marissa's coming. She's coming. (laughs) Thank you. Right there. Right there. We're ready. We're ready. Note. Uh, So you, you don't have to do that. You can. Um, But if you would like to uh, emulate Marissa's posture with your voice today as we are um, engaging with Galatians 5, we're talking about freedom in the spirit. This can't be a super quiet Sunday um, for me, so do do it for me, Um, but also because we're talking about freedom in the spirit. Um, As you are listening today, as we're talking today, if you feel it, say it. So we're, we're spread out today, but that doesn't mean that we, can res- well, we can't respond with one voice in, in one voice today. So that's, that's my, my ask of you this morning. So yes, we are in a series right now um, called Power and Possibility, the Spirit-Filled Life. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit, so who the Spirit is, how the Spirit moves, um, how we understand and experience the Spirit. And so the past couple of weeks, um, Watson has introduced us to the Holy Spirit, um, the one promised by Jesus. A couple weeks ago, it was in John 14, um, how Jesus promises to send an advocate, a comforter, a helper. Um, Watson also walked us through an overview 
last week of how the Spirit worked throughout the biblical narrative and then what that means for us. So this week, we're going to be looking at Galatians 5, and we're going to be looking at a specific kind of work that the Spirit does in our lives, which is the work of freedom. So Matthew mentioned in his, uh, in his sermon last week that in his tradition growing up, the Holy Spirit was a bit of a mystery. Um, like the Trinity was more akin to um, Father, Son, Holy Word, Holy Bible, than Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I had a very similar concept of that growing up, and honestly, maybe even more so. Like I remember, um, I remember thinking about the Spirit as almost a, um, like a dangerous thing sometimes when I was growing up. I think especially because it, it, it could be very easy to mistake the prompting of the Spirit for just your feelings. And um, I was taught to be very suspicious of my feelings. Mm-hmm. So I, I know in here we have um, just diverse experiences with what we've learned about the Holy Spirit, and I welcome that. We, we welcome that. Um, I, I want to acknowledge just that we do have different experiences and let you know that I'm not trying to, like, throw my baggage on you regarding the Spirit. Um, If you don't have any, that's fantastic. Um, I do want to tell you, though, I feel a bit out of my depth here this morning. Um, I I feel intimidated by the task this morning. I'm not well-versed. I feel like in the Spirit, this is a newer thing for me, as I think it is for maybe a lot of us in here. Um, And so I, I need you to know that the things we're going to talk about today are things that I'm learning alongside you. Um, and in, in most cases, I'm learning from you. <laughs> um, so as I've prepared for today, there are things that I'm learning for the first time. Um, and this, this week has been weird, guys. Um, Lisa asked me a couple of weeks ago how I was feeling about like, this sermon, because I knew it was going to be in Galatians 5, and it's freedom of the Spirit. I'm like, yeah, you know, we're going to talk about freedom of the Spirit. And we are going to talk about freedom of the Spirit. Um, and I was like, I'm excited because this is great, and I'm, you know, I think this is, I'm, I'm just ready to step into this with our church. Um, but then I was like, I also feel scared because I have to prepare to talk about freedom in the spirit, and I'm going to have to deal with myself and the ways that I don't live into that kind of freedom. Uh, so as expected, this week has been weird. <laughs> yes, you can ask Drew. Um, you can. Um, I'm gonna, and I'm going to share some of that with you in a bit, but um, I say this, um, again, not to like throw my baggage on you, I, but I want, what I want to do is acknowledge the fear and sometimes confusion that comes up when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, life in the Spirit is not simple, and it's not organized or like easy. There are no um, formulas. There's no shortcuts. That's frustrating to me. That's frustrating to us. So as we continue in this series, as we, as we talk today, I, I need... I need you to acknowledge that with me, and so we're acknowledging that together, and we're going to step into it anyway. So that's what we're doing today. Um, so I'm going to start by praying. We're, gonna, we're just going to pray, and we're going to do that first. So would you pray with me? God, I thank you for um, just this community, and I thank you for... Um, I think I thank you for the opportunity to bring this word this morning. Um, I ask God that we would have courage to overcome our fear, um, that we would have courage to overcome our uncertainty, that we would be able to sit in uncertainty. Um, I ask God that you would fill in my shortcomings this morning. Um, 
for the ways that um, I wish I was more prepared, for the ways that I just have a lot of feelings. I just, I pray, God, that um, I trust that your spirit is here. Um, and I trust that your spirit is, is working and in control. I pray um, for your spirit to give us understanding and peace this morning. Um, and I pray for just this, this little regular community that meets here in this cafeteria to, to be one that walks in your spirit. So would you lead us today? Amen. Amen. All right, so today our text comes from the book of Galatians. And so Galatians was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to early Christians in the region of Galatia, which is why it's called Galatians. Um, it's important, I think it's really important to remember when we're looking at books in the, in the New Testament that the books in the New Testament are not necessarily placed in chronological order. Um, I forget that all the time. Um, it was really helpful for me this week to actually look at the book of Acts to place Galatians in its proper context. So the book of Acts um, recounts what happens after Jesus' ascension in the Gospels, after his disciples have seen him be crucified, die, and then come back to life. It's after Jesus' promise to send the Spirit um, to guide and to comfort uh, them while, when he left, when he went away. And so I actually, we're not going to read through Acts today, um, I would, but I would encourage you to, as we go through this series, to go back and read the book of Acts um, because it tells the story of the beginning of a new movement of the Spirit in the world. It was the first time that people were really trying to figure this out, and we're still trying to figure it out. Um, it acts as a narrative about how the first people to call themselves Christians um, struggled to understand how, how they had been infiltrated by the powers of empire, and then what the spirit was calling them into. And so I was encouraged by reading Acts because of how Jesus' followers sometimes get it right, and they sometimes get it real wrong. Um, I'm like solidarity, brothers and sisters in Acts. Um, in Acts, also, we meet Paul, the apostle Paul, and we follow his journey around the Mediterranean Sea to take the news of Jesus, this new movement of the spirit to as many people as he can. And so the letter to the Galatians that we have in the Bible called Galatians was written by Paul during the travels that are recounted in the book of Acts. So it's during the beginning of this new movement that nobody had ever seen before. So that's, that's why I want to encourage you to read Acts as we continue to study the Spirit. This is the first, Acts is the first kind of narrative about how people were learning to, to do what we're still trying to do, which is understand um, and acknowledge and experience the presence of the Spirit. So in Galatians, Paul writes this letter um, because it's come to his attention that in his absence, because he's traveling all around, other teachers have come in to this newly formed community and begun to persuade the Galatians away from like, the, the uncertainty and the new movement of the Spirit and back towards a false security of good works and trying to obey the religious law perfectly in order to be in God's presence. And that's, very, and that's threatening to their freedom. So in the, in the chapter we're looking at today, which is chapter 5, Paul sets out to remind them of their freedom in Christ and their responsibility to live in and walk with the Spirit. So as we go through our text today and learn about what it means for us to have freedom in the Spirit, we're going to look at it, and we're going to look at chapter 5 sort of in three sections. So we're going to look at uh, what we are free from, what we are free for, and how we know we're walking in freedom, which is the fruit, the fruit that we're, that we're producing. 
So we're going to start this morning with what we are free from. Um, if you want to open your Bibles or if you want to follow along on the screen, we're going to start with verse 1 of Galatians 5. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand, for, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Listen, I, Paul, am telling you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. You who want to be justified by the law have cut yourselves off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. So remember, Paul is writing to a group of people who have no idea, no precedent for what it means to live by the Spirit. This is a big experiment. Paul is reminding the Galatians here that the way to live in the Spirit is not by following a strict set of rules. He's specifically, he's specifically calling out the issue of circumcision, which was a requirement of the Jewish law, which was no longer a requirement um, for being a part of this new community, which was led by the Spirit. Paul's saying here that not only does the law no longer justify a person in good works, it actually acts as a yoke, a chain, something that binds up, which is the opposite of what it means to be free. Now, as far as I know, uh, I don't think anyone here is arguing for circumcision as a means to engage with God. You can correct me if that's true. I don't think that anyone here is tempted to use that ritual as a substitute for living in the spirit. Um, but it's important not to lose the message here. When we read scripture, there are layers to the way that we do that. Um, we certainly look at what was being said in the context of the people it was written to, but we also look at what the text reveals to us thousands of years removed from the Galatian context, but still as people just as prone to prefer a concrete rule over an invisible spirit. Um, it's been a few years now, but uh, do, if, if I say the name Derek Webb, does anybody know who that is anymore? Sweet. Um, do you remember his first solo music, like after he split up with Cademan's Call? Man, we are digging into the depths of 2000s Christian contemporary music. Woo! Cademan's Call. Um, that is a throwback. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sing it. I'm not gonna do that. Um, Anyway, Derek Webb was a singer-songwriter. Uh, he put out a couple of albums back in the early 2000s that were, that were these pretty scathing critiques of American Christianity. Um, and one of the songs that he, uh, that he wrote was called A New Law. And the song is about this exact thing, this propensity that humans have to take the easy way out, to want um, bullet points to follow instead of leaning into the mystery and the unpredictability um, and the unpredictable flow of the spirit. Now, I'm not going to sing it or play it, um, but I do want to read you some of the lyrics. Some of the lyrics of this song go like this. Um, Don't teach me about politics and government. Just tell me who to vote for. Don't teach me about truth and beauty. Just label my music. Don't teach me how to live like a free man. Just give me a new law. I don't want to know if the answers aren't easy. Just bring it down from the mountain to me. I want a new law. Give me the new law. Don't teach me about moderation and liberty. I prefer a shot of grape juice. Don't teach me about loving my enemies. Don't teach me about how to listen to the spirit. Just give me a new law. I want a new law. Give me a new law. 
what are the laws that you prefer over the unpredictability of the spirit? In our city, it might be um, the law of reason, the law of intellect. Uh, like if I can wrap my mind fully around something, I've made it. Um, it might be acts of social justice. Now don't mishear me. We are called to pursue and enact justice in the world, and I pray that we wear ourselves out doing just that. But hear the distinction. If the way that we conjure up confidence in our standing before the Lord is through our deeds, even if they are good ones, we are binding ourselves to living under a new law. If the way we assure ourselves of our place in the kingdom is through works, we are submitting to a new yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And it's through the Spirit, by faith, that we eagerly wait and hope for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts through the law. Through the law, we, we like con ourselves into thinking that we are free by our own means. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I read, um, I read this in a commentary this week that unless we guard our liberty, we will be drawn back to bondage. Woo! In Christ and through the Spirit, we have been freed from the condemnation and bondage of the law. Living in the Spirit is to embrace this freedom and understand that we are no longer subject to a law, either the old one or the ones that we make up. So Paul's clearly laying out law as being in opposition to the Spirit. Um, and as we continue in this chapter, um, we'll see as he's talking that this is a threat to our freedom. In the next verses, he names another thing, too, that opposes life in the Spirit. So the second thing that he names um, is the Greek word sarx. It's translated commonly as flesh. Um, I, I, you might be familiar with, uh, with that translation with this verse. So Galatians 5, 16 Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. I want to be real clear here that while sarks is translated as flesh in most of our translations, Paul is not saying that our bodies are bad. And I've heard that a lot. Um, that flesh being opposed to spirit means that like our bodies and our hearts are bad and like um, we're best to just rid ourselves of them as quickly as possible. So whether that's by um, pursuing like a, a floaty, disembodied kind of spirituality or like condemning our own bodies as, um, as obstacles on the path to God. The work of the spirit is embodied. Jesus came in a body and he rose in a body and we experience the spirit's movement and works within the physical world of time and space where we live in bodies. We are not meant to cast them off in order to live the spirit-filled life. So when you read this, know that that is not what is meant by the, the Greek word sarx, which is translated as flesh. That same word, the same root word sarx, can also be translated as self-indulgence. So verse 13 for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, which is the same root word as sarx. But here it's translated as self-indulgence, and later it's translated as flesh. It's the same word. It's the same word as verse 16. Live by the Spirit, I say. 
do not gratify the desires of the sarks. That's not correct in Greek, but you understand what I'm saying. For, <laughs> for what the flesh, for what sarks desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the self-indulgence. For these are opposed to each other. Paul is making clear here that while we're free from the law, Christ did not set us free from restraint or responsibility. Um, in fact, the freedom we experience in Christ and through the Spirit frees us from ourselves, from the very worst of self, from self-indulgence. We are free from living in such a way that we mistake self-love for self-indulgence. We are free from living with a scarcity mindset in which we think of ourselves first out of fear, we're, we're free from having to operate in the current currency of power in which we push others down to get ahead. We're free from that. Knowing then the things we are freed from, the law and the flesh, Paul then continues with what we are freed for. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Christ has set us free not to indulge in our freedom, to self-indulge. Our, our freedom in Christ is from self for service to others. This is living by the Spirit in freedom. We recognize that we have been freed from the law and ourselves, and we use that freedom to then live outside of ourselves. This is the freedom that the Spirit invites us into. So then, how do we know that we're living in the Spirit and not under the yoke of the law or the carelessness of the flesh? We have to look at the fruit. At the fruit, what is being produced? The, the law produces condemnation. So either of ourselves or us condemning other people in the law. The fruit of the flesh is listed in verses 19 through 21 as obvious. The, the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, en enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and other things like these. Self-indulgence produces carelessness and emptiness. We read the message ver some of the message version um, in our um, confession this morning, and the, the, the message versions of this list, this same list I just read, is so striking. I'm going to read it. It's, it's obvious, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to be loved, to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community I could go on. We are freed from this kind of life. Paul, and Paul makes a turn here then in verse 22. So he lists this whole thing. And then in verse 22, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
This is the fruit of the Spirit, and it's held in contrast with what both law and flesh produce. I had never noticed before this week that um, the fruit of the Spirit is singular. It's not plural. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not like the gifts of the Spirit that differ from person to person. The fruit of the Spirit is common to all. So we cannot say we are called to the fruit of kindness, but not self-control. <laughs> Each of the elements listed as fruit of the Spirit imply the other ones, and together they define what happens in our lives and our communities when we're walking in the Spirit. The other thing I didn't realize this week is that the fruit of the Spirit plays out, all of it, in relationship to other people. I, I think I've always thought about the fruit of the Spirit as like um, something I cultivate within myself, by myself. I really cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in my heart, you know? <laughs> you think it too. I bet at one point you thought it. <laughs> but this is why it's important to look at Scripture in a larger context, right? Since we have been freed for service to others, if that's what it means to live in freedom in the Spirit, it then makes total sense that what's produced in us, the fruit, is only able to be seen in how we interact with others. Even love, joy, and peace, those are virtues that can seemingly be like, um, like internal and solitary. Even those are here in this context pointing towards the way we treat others. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgences, but through love become slaves to one another. If this is walking in freedom in the spirit, the things that will be produced in us then are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. The spirit life is not just one that we engage in alone. But it plays out in community. We cannot live by the Spirit alone. And if we try, we'll just fall back to the old easy way and make new laws for ourselves. So I told you that this was a weird week for me. It was weird. I'm ready for it to be over. Um, so I read through Acts, um, and I've been studying this passage in Galatians. Um, so I've, I've just been immersed in, in this world, what it means to be free in Christ, how you recognize the Spirit, which has been great. But also when you're drenched in all that stuff, you cannot ignore the stuff that comes up in you. Um, so I was talking to one of my mentors this week, uh, and I was sharing just like the regular stuff, um, like how difficult it is to just balance all of my responsibilities and still feel like a sane person. Um, and I'm, I'm basically mostly just um, verbally dumping on her. And as I'm processing with her, um, I realized that what was dumping out of my mouth was that I felt guilty all the time. Um, I'm thankful that she jumped on it and named it and reminded me that guilt was something I needed to offer up to God. And that by spending energy harboring it or like trying to punch it down was a waste of time. Um, so we finished our call. I went back to sermon prep. And, um, but later that night, I was processing a bit more with Drew, and I had this realization that I have been being held captive by guilt and, like, this standard, like, this, this new law that I have set for myself on what it means to be a spirit-filled person. 
I consistently run with guilt in the back of my mind. I need to be a better mom. I need to be a better wife, a better student, a better friend. I, um, I realized this week that I highly fear disappointing people. Um, my friends, my kids, I fear disappointing my parents. <laughs> um, that is bondage. That is law. Um, I feel bound to the ways that I measure myself as, as failing. And this is in opposition to the freedom I'm literally standing here preaching about today. And I'm sharing this with you, not to tell you that I've come through a process this week of letting go of the things that bind me and I'm now walking in freedom. Um, I, I'm not sharing, that's not why I'm sharing. Don't, I don't want to be sharing this. I, I'm pretty surprised I'm holding it together currently. Um, the opposite, actually. I'm still quite in the middle of it, and, and you can pray for me. You can do that. Um, I, I don't want to be sharing this with you. I'm in Enneagram 3. This is horrifying for me. <laughs> but I, I'm sharing it because I, I need you to know that, um, that I am learning to walk with the Spirit um, and in the freedom of the Spirit with you, and I need you. I need your reminder as you walk in the Spirit that there is freedom in Christ to be where I am and not where I think that I should be. There's no condemnation in the Spirit life. Law enslaves us by telling us that where we are and who we are is less than who we will be and that, that, that we must always make ourselves better, more acceptable to the standard by our own efforts. That is what discounts the work of Christ in our transformation. There is no condemnation. There is no separation. We are not separate from Christ, and we are assured of that because of the Spirit's presence. We stand in the freedom of the Spirit now, right now, and we also say that we remain confident that we will see the goodness of the Lord in our lives, in our relationships, in how, others, in, in how we see other people interact in our city and in the world. We have freedom to hope, we are not bound to discouragement. We are not bound to anger, to vapid relationships, to fear. We are free from those. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Those chains have already been broken. We are not less free now than we will be. We are free now. And it is not just for ourselves. It is for one another. It's for our neighborhood. It's for our city. It's for all those who, are, who we are called to beckon into the spirit life and movement with us, even as we stumble around and try to figure it out. And like, look, I get how this might seem like a weird topic for us to take on. Like in our context, I feel like um, we're doers, right? We are DC doers. A lot of us are here and we're ready to work, ready to work. I get that it can seem like a waste of time to be getting into like the basics of freedom in the spirit when, we, when maybe we could be studying deeply other books of the Bible or um, analyzing policy, our role in our neighborhood, our role. I, I get that. We've got goals. We're ready to take them on. Amen. But I don't know how we will know where to go, how we will be able to serve our community, how will we how will be able to serve one another? How we will do the things we want to do without the Spirit? Church, this is a timely word for us. This is a timely series for us. We we don't lean, we, we lean into the doing, we don't lean into the presence, we don't lean into that. All the things that drew you to this church community, the things that keep you here, 
The problems that you know we face, the longer you're here, the more problems you are aware of. <laughs> the challenges that we see, the, the systems we long to break, the, the things we long to face around race, around sexuality, around justice, all the efforts of all the talented people in this room and outside of this room, all the time, all the money that we pour out addressing those things, they mean nothing if we are not a people who are led by the Spirit, who know how to live in step with the Spirit, who know that in the Spirit there is freedom. We cannot PowerPoint or event play our plan our way into the kingdom of God. If we could, we'd be there. <laughs> We cannot make new laws that maybe propel us forward for a little while, but in the end come up short. There's another line in Derek Webb's new law song. Um, the line is, what's the use in trading a law you can never keep for one you can but cannot get you anything? We must do the harder thing, the riskier thing, the real thing. We must learn to live in step with the spirit. And we must not be afraid of that. I want to ask you, when was the last time that you cried for someone else besides yourself? When was the last time that you felt that you had a word for someone else? When was the last time somebody had a word for you? In this community. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. It is freedom. It's a new kind of life that Paul is urging us to claim in the Spirit we cannot look back to a world where supervision was necessary because we couldn't walk by the Spirit. We must embrace the freedom we have to reject those values and ways and live for one another walking together in the Spirit. It's hard and messy. I feel like um, I didn't give you any answers on how we walk in the Spirit this morning because I don't have any. I, I don't. Um, I'm dependent upon you as my community for us to figure it out together, one step at a time, um, always never feeling super certain, which kills me, that what we're doing is the spirit or not. I, but I really believe that as we lean into this, as we practice, as we practice listening to the spirit, as we practice living, leaning, walking in the spirit, that we will start to be able to recognize more what is the Spirit? What is the Spirit saying? What is the Spirit asking of us? What is the Spirit asking of us as individuals? What is the Spirit asking of us as a church in this neighborhood? And we don't practice it. <laughs> I don't, so I'll, I'll be the first one to say that. I, I'm, not, I'm not well practiced in that. We walk together in the Spirit. We learn. It's not easy, um, but we must. And, not a, and again, don't hear this as, being, as feeling guilt. No, 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 no. This is not a, a, a let's all get our stuff together and figure it out. That's not what this is. That's a, that's a law. That's a new law, right? 
This is a let's live together into this weird, unexpected, unknown that is the spirit life. So every, usually every week when, we, uh, when the message is over, um, usually a prayer is offered. And I'm, I'm going to do that today too. Um, but I want to do that with you. So, um, so what I'm going to do in a second is, uh, um, is I'm going to, in just a second, I'm going to have the band come up. Um, and we're going to pray together. And I'm going to have you uh, have, hold prayer in, in, in two different postures. And we're going to do that together as a way of saying together, Lord, we don't know what we're doing. We are open to your spirit. Have your spirit come. Help us to know when it's you. Okay? Okay. Um, So I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite the band to come up. So I'm going to offer up some simple prayers this morning. And um, as my community, as we pray together, um, I'm going to have us start um, by standing with our hands either open or up. Um, as a way just to put our bodies in a space to say, we acknowledge that the presence of the Spirit comes with our bodies in this time and this space. Um, you can choose the level at which you are most comfortable. <laughs> if that's here, that's totally fine. Um, but at least palms open. Um, so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. So if you'll be open. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We lift up our hearts to you this morning, as much as we can do that. We offer to you the laws that we make for ourselves. We offer you the things that bind us. We especially offer you the things that, um, that we use and go back to to bind ourselves. We ask God that you would Give us a taste of the freedom in the spirit that we would recognize how gross it is to be in bondage. We lift these things to you, God. Please pry our fingers off of them. The second posture I'm going to ask you to um, to take um, is to hold the hand of someone near you. So we're offering this prayer in solidarity together. God, we acknowledge that um, that in freedom, in your freedom, that we are bound together. We offer up prayers for our neighbor, for the things that keep them in bondage, for the ways that, um, that they choose chains over freedom. We ask, God, that you use us, that we would be willing to be used in each other's lives. God, we lift up our church. We ask for your guidance, and we ask that we would not be scared, that you would take away our fear for what it might mean for us to be free in your spirit in this school, in this neighborhood, in this city. We offer ourselves, your church, back to you, God. 
We desire your freedom. We thank you for it. We thank you that, that you desire for us to walk in freedom in your spirit. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence even when we don't know that it's there. Help us, God, to walk in your freedom. Amen.